0: you guys can keep eating and uh, we'll uh, get on with the show before I uh, bring the speakers back up I just want to announce next week's session and uh, it's going to be on fentanyl and we have uh, Dr. Karen Goodison to come and tell us about uh, the dangers of of fentanyl uh, which is getting to be a public health issue in Alberta, that's for sure. So c- come on out next week for that one. Uh, I'm going to bring the speakers back up if, they're, if they are ready. We're really lucky, I think, to have uh, such talented and committed people like Sarah and Elma in Luthbridge to to get us through this <coughs> you know, what can be called a crisis, a a world crisis almost, uh, with Syrian refugees. And uh, I think we're extremely lucky to have people like Alma and Sarah to help things out in Lethbridge. So, uh, question period, uh, please state your name and uh, keep your questions
1: to questions. With preamble, Knut. (laughs) With preamble. Hi, my name is Henning Mündel, and I have one little question for each of you with a mini preamble for each of you. Uh, So first, yeah, well, I'll let you get ready. They have to be able to listen to the question, too. you so Sarah question for you is um, that okay. this one was attacking me um, with this Syrian uh, group I, I know we're dealing with people that come from at least three different religious communities there's Muslims there's Roman Catholics and there's uh, Syrian Orthodox Christians and I wonder in your and from, I'm talking about the ones that uh, I've met, and they're from the private-sponsored area. But I wonder, uh, in Lethbridge Family Services, do you have any kind of linkages to help uh, them in that aspect? And while you're cogitating that, my quick question then to you is, um, I was a refugee as a young child, and uh, but uh, an, an immigrant as a nine-year-old to Canada. and my. My question to you is, do you try to develop some curriculum and some basic books for these adult learners? I remember I I came when I was in grade three, and we were given the grade one books about uh, C-spot run, 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 puff, puff, puff. puff, And we thought as grade threes, what silly stuff are they giving to us? So how do you tailor things for adults, but simple language? Thank you.
2: Okay, um, I'll go first then. So you're right, Henning. Um, we we are seeing a number of different religions arriving with the Syrians. Ninety uh, percent of the Syrians are Muslim. Um, about nine percent are Orthodox or Christian, and then a remaining one percent a number of different, very local or animistic kinds of um, religions. At Lesperch Family Services, thus far, we have only welcomed Muslim. Syrians and we have a v- very good relationship developing with the Islamic Association and folks from the mosque. Um, we had a large potluck supper mm, probably back in January to welcome the folks who were there and that had been put on by the Muslim community at the Muslim Association and they had also invited the two Christian families that have arrived at being sponsored through the PSR ways. So yes indeed we're, we're, we're really interested in making sure that people connect um, to their faith, because that is an incredibly important, crucial psychological support for folks.
3: So as far as the, the, progr- uh, the resources that we use in our program, um, there, there are no books that I know of that you can open and, and read about Lethbridge that's written at a level that these illiterate clients can read. So we develop most of our resources. We make them. We, we make them about real life. We make them about Lethbridge. We make them about things that they can relate to, like if we're going, you know, we, we, the whole idea of, of the government language program is to learn the language that you need to settle in the community. So we teach. The language for banking we teach the fam- we teach the language to describe their families We, we teach the language uh, so they can go shopping we teach, we teach about money we teach about all of those things. so we develop a lot of our own resources, but more and more there are resources that have been written or developed by, you know, people in all sorts of different communities that are working with literacy students, especially because we had the large number of Bhutanese clients that have come in over the years, and a lot of those clients couldn't read and write either. So we've just developed resources for that, real-life resources based on what they need uh, in order to survive in Canada.
4: Sarah and Elma, I want to tell you first of all, that some years ago, and I will be very quick, my name is Denise Calderwood, uh, that I was speaking to Ted Manzies, who was the MP from where I come from, out Clare's Home Way, and we were talking about uh, additional resources needed for Lisa. And he told me that at that time it was Jason Kennedy, Kenny, who was Minister of Citizenship and Immigration. And he knew, it was right up to that office in Ottawa, that Lethbridge, was a very good place for settling refugees. So that's kudos to you. And I want you to know that. What First question is, when are you going to re- reach your maximum ability to absorb new people? When are you going to get to the point where you simply say, we have no more resources to uh, support any more new people coming in? And my second question is, and can go to either of you, Uh, As these people start to earn money and start to engage in business in the community, do you have any financial advisors available who will volunteer their time to help them if they get in difficult situations or they are uh, caught in a debt situation and they don't know how to deal with it? I've had that experience when I taught Mennonites from Mexico. And so I'm just wondering if that is part of what you can do to support the new people when they come.
2: as far as the financial advisor and the financial information situation goes, uh, we have um, got a number of really positive relationships with a number of the banks in town and certainly we've been working hard with Scotiabank. Scotiabank National gave every GAR center $10,000 as just a donation for the Syrian refugees. Um, they have also prepared a lot of banking information, overall not Scotiabank specific, but very general banking information in first language. Um, there's a, a fellow called Robert also at Scotiabank who can come and deliver those orientations in first language. The staff at Lethbridge Family Services does about 200 basic income tax returns for our client bases to, because it's so important that they do get that tax assessment piece. Um, and so I, I do feel that that if someone comes in and says, oh my goodness, I've really extended myself and I just don't have the money, we do work with those folks um, and we can advocate for them as well with you know the the folks that they owe the money for um, to rather. So the other thing, when do we reach capacity? Um, now, <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, the reason I say now is we have received welcomed 157 people since January the first with the same number of staff that we had last year and certainly we are at the moment right now in negotiation with federal government and I'm actually hoping to hire about six more people on my staff so I'm looking to increase the the complement of staff by about 25 percent. Um, when I, when we get that complement in we can continue to go um, and I think really the, the question should more be what is the community capacity as opposed to the settlement agency capacity because it's the community that we'll be working with and for these folks down the road.
5: My name is Mike McCaig. Um Sarah, I'm going to take advantage of being able to ask you a question to advertise a little bit. Um, and I'd like to mention the donations that we received of furniture and clothing and kitchen appliances and that kind of stuff. I started out collecting it for a sponsored group and ended up working with the GARS. I think I've been in probably 20 of the homes of the people that are here, and my concern is that at one point, because of storage, we had to. S- I had to start telling people that were phoning me, "I'm sorry, I have no place to put your uh, loveseat or Chesterfield or." table or whatever you have to offer. That has changed. Our storage unit is now empty of furniture in particular and my concern is that this community is coming together and my concern is that we are going to now have maybe half of our families who are going to look at the other half and say wow look at all the good stuff you got and I'm not getting anything. So what are we going to try and do about that?
2: Well we've We've actually been discussing that at our now monthly steering committee that we established um, in December to address the issues with the Syrian refugees, and certainly we've had overwhelming donations. Now, there are a couple of issues around the donations. Currently, we're using a space right next door to Lethbridge Family Services main office on 2nd Ave North, Um, and that space is going to start becoming more of Lethbridge Family Services, and they're going to be renovating, and so we need to move out of that space fairly shortly. So in terms of a sustainability plan, with respect to donations and that kind of thing, what we have decided to do is much, more sensible couple things people can still phone to say look I have a love seat or I have a couch or whatever and I, I really want to donate it then what we're going to do is say hang on to it we will get we will come and pick it up from your house now that's a whole other set of logistics that we'll have to deal with we'll come and pick it up from your house when we know we have a family in permanent accommodation. Who needs this stuff? The other thing we're going to do is work with Sally Ann or Salvation Army and go back to the voucher um, situation wherein folks who, who are suffering financial um, issues and situations can apply for vouchers to go and buy things at Sally Ann or Value Village, that kind of thing. And I think that speaks to more of a sustainable plan. The other thing is we are I've been told that because donations to to the PSR group initially and then Lethbridge Family Services. Secondarily, donations are down elsewhere in the community. And that just makes perfect sense, right? It's a finite amount. So in order to ramp things up again for Sally Ann, so that Sally Ann can continue to serve all of the people that it serves, not just immigrants, um, we're going to work with them that way. Okay?
6: Hi, thank you. Uh, great job. Uh, Mr. Durham, I just wanted to show I'm wearing green. I know you have green underwear. There you go. Yeah. Very observant. Anyway, my name is Joseph Natuk, and I'm a former president of the Regina Open Door Society. Have you heard of him? hmm Okay, yeah. But, uh, Darcy Dietrich, Dietrich is the uh, executive director, and uh, I, I it was president for many years. So I just wondered whether... You, do you do any networking with that or with the uh, Open Door Society in Regina? Because they're extremely uh, knowledgeable and, and they've been uh, you know, in business for, uh, I don't know how many years, 30, 30, 35 years. So I'm just wondering whether that's something that you should, if you don't have, you should probably get a hold of them because they have a tremendous amount of uh, information and deal with these things every day and it's really quite incredible. Incredible organization.
2: Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, Regina, Open Door Society, is known as RODs because yes. we like acronyms. S- yes, Saskatoon right. is known as SODs. A little ruder, maybe, but same level of amazing service. Um, certainly, folks like myself at the director level get to, get to network with other directors who do the same sorts of things in other provinces a couple of times a year just... Um, End of November, the RAP centers, myself, Regina, uh, Saskatoon, etc. were all invited to Toronto for um, a working weekend where we got together with the feds, the provinces, the territories, etc. to try and strategize how we are going to welcome successfully 25,000 people into Canada and and to to strategize down the road as well because we understand it's not stopping at 6 weeks after landing this this initiative will continue and the needs will present and will continue to present in the community
7: Happy Patrick's Day girls you've done a beautiful job i want to preface preface my question Firstly, I grew up adjacent neighborhood to the First Nations, Blackfoot, okay. Uh, I have several friends that bought cars off me years ago were guards at the Lethbridge jail. And the average then was over 91% were First Nations people. So I want to preface my question against that, what are we doing? There's a lot of anxiety for this overwhelming bending backwards forwards to help these people. And there's a certain amount of guilt conscience that we followed George Bush and butchered those people eight, nine years ago. And is it a guilt conscience that makes us now bend over backwards helping these people? So do you not think that uh, we should also look after our own first? Uh, absolutely, uh, against 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 newcomers to the country. What's your name? Frank J. <laughs> McToth for today. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Mm. Okay, um, I'm just gathering my thoughts here a minute, so I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> just remind me. I'm sorry. Ah, yes. Right. Uh, what is Canada doing and why did Canada take in 25,000 people? Um, Justin Trudeau prefaced that announcement with, again, the fact that Canada has a humanitarian tradition and routinely takes in between seven and 14,000 refugees every year. And because this is the largest humanitarian crisis we've seen in many, many years, um, Justin felt very strongly that he should get to the, draw to the table and say, indeed, we'll take, you know, twenty-five thousand folks. Um, w- absolutely, we need to take care of our own. Absolutely, and I get this question a lot, and and I'm pleased to say that this is uh, this this has not been um, developed by the federal government without planning without sufficient funds being put into the immigration bin, if you will. And those funds are not being taken from social housing or Aboriginal affairs. Those, they're, they're a lot of this initiative has been funded actually folks by corporations. Um, the, le- the community foundations of Canada are doing some funding. We've had the Scotia Bank. Um, there's a big corporation. Another another corporation that that, that has um, um, donated a couple of million dollars to the to this whole initiative. So certainly the federal government is is relying on uh, folks in Canada who do have the money, the private sector, as well as relying on community like us here on the ground in Lethbridge to help with this initiative. And. Um, I I, I do believe we are. And um, maybe this is is a really positive thing because these questions are being asked more and more. And so the federal government knows very well that its citizens are interested and concerned. And so by all means, you know, keep on asking these questions. They're really important.
3: Uh, Ruth uh, uh, (laughs) McElzinga. I just did that for Frank. Ruth Elzinga. I I really appreciate your presentations today, I really feel like I've learned so much. And I guess because our church has sponsored, is a privately sponsored uh, refugee, we have a refugee family, and uh, I know that uh, um, your funding is government, and I'm not personally on the committee, but is there as much, do do you serve both private and the government uh, sponsored refugees equally? Uh, I just wanted to, just some clarification because your funding is federal, right? And, and I just wondered if there's a priority given to the government uh, assisted refugees
2: um, on some levels I suppose there would be because and and in those those areas that that say our agency would give a government assisted refugee priority is because the privately sponsored refugee will already have that equipment, if you will. The reason that we got um, as as close and friendly with the PSR groups as possible is because they were saying very generously, we are concerned that our PSR groups are going to be recipient of all of this fabulous stuff and your guards are going to look like second-class citizens. And so they they very generously invited all of our clients to share in, in that as well.
3: As far as far as coming to school and taking language classes, th- there, there's no difference, uh, you know, whether you're a GAR, whether you're a privately sponsored refugee, y- when your name is on the list and uh, there's a spot in the class, you're the next one that's called in. We do though in the school recognize that, that you know, some of the government assisted refugees sometimes do need some more assistance wh- with some of the things that we are studying in class. Um, again, we're privately sponsored. They have more people, maybe, to help them on an on- ongoing basis. But as far as actually uh, having access to language classes, it's the same.
8: Yep. Uh, Terry Shellington. thank you very much for your presentation. I have a couple of questions, and I'm not sure who should answer them, but I'm sure you can figure it out between the two of you. Um, uh, there was a time in 1967 when we were in Germany and on a crash course uh, to learn uh, German so that we could, uh, so that I could serve in a congregation and uh, they developed on the run a number of interesting ideas around helping me to get on my feet linguistically. One of them was uh, they let it known that um, that we were available for any Friday night that someone wanted to invite us for a glass of wine and some nuts and conversation. And I wondered if, uh, building on that, to what extent you've been able to draw in the volunteers from the community for part-time things like that, and, uh, um, and to what extent people have responded. Uh, someone's coming on alcohol. You c- you can drink fruit juice. It uh, doesn't matter. The second question, so that, so that's a question around uh, part-time volunteers. The second question is around the culture shock that uh, many of these refugees must encounter, and I wondered to what extent you're able to build into your crash course uh, a little bit of... Uh, Culture discussion around uh, the role of women for example in our culture and uh, a number of other things that must be quite uh, uh, shocking and maybe traumatic to refugees c- crash landing in Canada.
3: G- good question because yes I mean we, we teach language but uh, we teach about Canadian culture we we teach things like y- you know how, how uh, you walk up the stairs so you don't crash into everybody as you walk up the stairs, or how you approach people. We, we, we talk about personal space. We talk about the role of men and women that, you know, men don't leave your coffee cup sitting on the table downstairs because your wife's not going to have to go pick it up behind you. No, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. It's all part of our program. Our program, it's a settlement language program. So we do not sit in classes and, and learn... Um, OK, again, I'm speaking about my level, OK? We we, we have a lower level uh, language classes. So we don't sit in classes and, and study grammar and, and read books about, uh, You know, somebody who went to the dormitory and lives in the dormitory in New York studying English. It's all real life practical kinds of of things that we do. And the focus on the government language program is very much now on task-based learning. So it's it's all about teaching our students to do some very specific tasks. And it's tasks that they have identified. Like, it's very much asking the clients, what is it that you don't know? What is it that you need help with? and then those are the kinds of topics that we will talk about, and we, we will create lessons around them. So the other day, one of the students actually talked about the fact that, you know, somebody in this class has got credit cards, like, these guys are new to Canada. Well, how come they're getting credit cards, and what do you do with credit cards? So the teacher developed a whole set of lessons around it. So it's very practical. It's, it's real life. It's functional language, which includes the language and the culture, everything together. And with volunteer... Oh, I'm gonna, one more thing with volunteers. So. We do have volunteers that work in the school, and we have, um, of course, our clients have volunteer families that they work with. but. Again, the volunteers that, that work with families, they don't have to necessarily do any formal kind of language lessons. I think it's more important to take people out into the community, take them to the events in the community, take them to events that are happening at the park, and teach them, you know, what's written on the sign over here, and what does that mean, and what does that symbol mean, and what's that word that's written on there? So that's the kind of language that, that is really useful to learn out in the community by volunteers certainly we we actually have had
2: quite a lot of successful engagement with our volunteers because we already have a volunteer program already set up already funded by the federal government and so any family that is interested in being matched with another family or an individual with an individual, just gets referred into the into the community connections volunteer program, and we get that' s- that's um, uh, process started. And we ask our volunteers to share three basic things with their clients that is social <laughs> social networking, certainly the most important, I think, as Elma has said, um, faith-based, if it's appropriate because we certainly don't don't sort of proselytize or any of that sort of thing. And uh, uh, finally, a professional network, again, if it is appropriate. Um, with respect to the question about culture shock, we work very, very closely with Lethbridge Family Services counselling services. We have a very good intra-departmental referral process. And uh, one of our counsellors, who is fully trained therapeutic counsellor, comes into our office, uh, once a month, to have private appointments with clients, with interpreters in the room, and she's been trained to to work with an interpreter, and the interpreter knows a little bit about the sort of language that is required in that sort of a session. Um, as well, this particular woman also comes and talks about dealing with change, dealing with culture shock, the kinds of physical and emotional feelings that you will have as you go through your culture shock. So we we feel that we're we're um, providing as as much support there as possible.
0: We have time for two quick questions
9: and two quick answers. Tad Tad is my name. Uh, I have two questions, one for you, one for you. First question, when I I was running a program like uh, Flexibility in Vancouver 50 years ago, we based a lot of courses on demand. There are two Very important demands coming after after year year after year. One is course for driver's license. Second is course for citizenship test. Second question's for you. Uh, To answer a question like a legitimate question like Frank Toth, there are a lot of people concerned about cheap labor. uh, because of a demand for cheap labor to get immigrants, and also certain amount of uh, xenophobia, and also concern for First Nations. So my second question is, why service like yours does not emphasize the need for Canada to have at least quarter million people from outside in order to sustain our economy. Otherwise, our source of pension payment will dry out. It's for our our survival, and uh, I wish that program like yours will emphasize that part of Canada's need to have more people from outside because we are not producing babies fast enough.
3: Okay, as far as driver's license is concerned, yes we used to teach uh, English courses for a driver's license upon request. Then what happened was again I work we work with the lower level clients. when you study the driver's book, you can pick out You know some of the vocabulary you can teach them about the signs you know some of the nouns a bit of the verbs but that the driver's book then was getting so complicated it wasn't the 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 nouns and the verbs that was causing the problems it's you know you must park within so many meters of this particular place Well, words like within, like what does that mean, within? How do you describe that? What does that mean? You know, we didn't have interpreters, and I I don't use interpreters in my classes. So that was one of the issues. You could could teach some of the basics, and then we would say, okay, now you have to go to a friend or a member of your family who can interpret the rest of the material for you. So we used to do that. Then we also found out that all these guys that were not all these guys, a lot of the guys that were, were practicing for their driver's license, they got their class 7 license and then they all bought a car and they're all driving around the city of Lethbridge. They don't have their class 5 license. And so I finally had to make a decision and I said, I'm not going to be part of that process. I would say to them, if I see you, d- if I see you tomorrow driving down the street and I know you don't have a class 5 license, I am going to call the police. And then I finally decided, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to step out of that. So we don't do that anymore. Once in a while, we might address it a bit. But now what, what happens is a lot of these guys, I'm not talking about the Syrians, because they haven't been here long enough. But a lot of the other guys are driving. They don't have a license. They can't read the signs. They, they are illiterate. I know many of the students are illiterate, and they're, dry, they're driving. Um, they get into all sorts of pickles and accidents and whatever. And we have employers phoning us and saying, well, you know, Elma, Will you please tell this man he cannot drive with a class 7 license? And I say, well, I've told him about 10 times in class. You know, there's no point me talking to him anymore. If you see it, him doing it, phone the police. That's all you can do is phone the police. And maybe after he's stopped by the police several times, then maybe he'll decide that this is not something he should be doing. So that's how I address the driver's license issue. The citizenship issue. I mean, uh, clients need to have level four, listening and speaking, in order to apply for citizenship. Um, Most of our guys that are with me, they don't get to apply for citizenship because their levels of language are not high enough. If they're over 55, they can apply and they don't have to write the test. However, in preparation for citizenship, I mean, we, we teach about Canada in our classes all the time. We teach about the government. We teach about, you know, the, uh, the political system. We teach about industries. We do all of the things that people would study in order to apply for citizenship. We do teach that in our classes. We don't have a specific citizenship class, but we do, we, t- we talk about all of that in our classes. But um, they have to go someplace else if they actually want to prepare for the citizenship test. But their language levels often are not high enough to apply.